0: Well, and welcome to an out of this world edition of the library girl and book boy podcast um today i actually have uh, an author of an amazing non-fiction book for you um i'll be interviewing stuart atkinson about his beautiful um a cat's guide to the night sky which is illustrated by brandon kearney and i will also be sharing some other space themed recommendations as i know it's a topic that children and teachers love equally. Enjoy! So as I said, today I'm going to be interviewing author and space enthusiast, Stuart Atkinson about A Cat's Guide to the Night Sky, which is illustrated by Brendan Kearney and published by Lawrence King Publishing. I hope you enjoy. Right, we're in for a treat today, listeners. This is my very first interview with an author of a non-fiction book, and it's a beauty. It's called A Cat's Guide to the Night Sky, and it's written by Stuart Atkinson and illustrated by Brendan Kearney and published by Lawrence King Publishing. Hi, Stuart. How are you? Very
1: well, thank you. How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm great. Thank you very much for um, talking to me this evening. Happy to. <laughs> so, I was just wondering if we could kick off with you telling us a little bit about um, a cat's guide and the kind of concept behind it.
1: Okay, well, I'm an amateur astronomer and I go stargazing in places like Kilda Star Camp, Kielder Forest, where it's nice and dark because there's no light pollution. And we go twice a year and we always take our cat with us. And pause for laughter, I know, yes. Yep. <laughs> a cat That's in a have- tent in a forest. How do you make what it could so possibly go wrong? <laughs> Wow. Um, So we took our rescue cat, Peggy, a couple of years ago, and I took her outside to get out of my girlfriend's way. He was having a fit trying to tidy up. And we're outside on this starry night, and Peggy starts looking at the night sky. And I thought, no, coincidence. But she was actually looking around at the night sky. Wow. And the light above my head just went bing. And I thought, hmm, cats' astronomy makes sense. They're out all night. When they're bored chasing mice, what are they going to do? Look at the night sky? So I sketched down an idea for a, a book, sent it off, and then here we are. We've got a cat go to the night sky on the shelves.
0: I don't know how you got your cat to cooperate stargazing. Mine will barely leave the bed for food, let alone to come out in the middle of the night.
1: Well, Peggy was a rescue cat who had a very, very hard start to her life. Uh, badly abused, a long story, but we, we got a different life entirely. And yes. she loved being inside. Um, she'd come outside with me now and again, but reluctantly. But I was told to take her outside of this one night. It was against Peggy's wishes, because <laughs> she was driving <laughs> my girlfriend nuts in the caravan. Uh, I was just holding her, and she actually just stopped and and looked up. And I thought, am I imagining this? But She was actually looking around. There were no birds, no distractions, nothing like that. She was looking around. And the over eyesight isn't brilliant. People say it's rubbish. But she was looking around just with me on a nice clear night. And it was very touching for one thing but also quite inspiring too and the book came out of that.
0: Yeah wow what a great story. Um, so I was going to say one of the things that I really loved about the book in particular was having um, Felicity the cat as yes. your narrator and guide and it really added a feeling of warmth and friendliness. Was that your intention? Obviously now we know it's based on your own cat but what was that your intention kind of incorporating Felicity?
1: The thing is, I'd like to, I like—I wanted to write a book that I would have liked to have read as a kid, you see, because modern astronomy books, which are fantastic, they're full of information. There's often too much information. and yeah. um, They're complicated, sophisticated, full of charts and graphs. More like Harry Potter spell books, to be honest, in astronomy books. I wanted to mm-hmm. take it right back to basics. And you need a narrator, really. And if it couldn't be me telling kids what to see in the night nice sky, the cat's the next obvious thing, because I had this idea for the book, and I thought, have a cat on the pages telling kids about the night sky it's very approachable uh, and i mean a cat why not
0: <laughs> yeah no why not i think it's a brilliant idea i really loved um the... and she's
1: very cute a little bit sassy as well um yeah. she she knows her stuff and she she knows the night sky but she's also a a cat true to her core so she's quite mischievous and cheeky as well
0: yeah no i, really, I thought it was a very clever idea i really loved it i think the introduction of the cat does add it that kind of Level of approachability that you need in a child child's me book because they can be, like you said, really overly um, complicated.
1: And um, cats are quite wise and a bit aloof as well. So, I mean, I think a dog's guy would be very different. Um, the cat's guy would be nice quite sedate and quiet, but
0: yeah. no dogs
1: running around going, Look at that star, look at that star, look at that star, look at that star. No, I a can see
0: a dog. <laughs> the dog would get distracted quite easily, wouldn't it?
1: Very easily, yes, very easily.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so, your book, although aimed at children and written in a really digestible, understandable way, is extremely comprehensive. I mean, it covers pretty much everything you would ever need to know um, about astronomy. And it's yeah, quite busy. It's, 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 it's amazing how much you've got in there, but in such an easy to read um, way. How did you manage to achieve that level of information and detail? but in an kind of accessible, child-friendly manner?
1: I've been doing work in schools for a long, long time, um, doing what we now call outreach, it used to be called giving talks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've stood in front of many, many classrooms over the years, and you have to A, know your stuff, but B, make it fun and interesting as well. So it's not dumbing down at all, but it's translating these hard concepts into easier little sound bites, if you like. So the trick is to know your stuff, but also be excited yourself. If you're bored with a subject, your book would be boring. So my idea was to basically put one of my talks into a book but as told by a cat, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, in a roundabout kind of way.
1: Well, I've talked to many, many kids over the years, so you know what kind of language to use, what sort of buzzwords they like to use, images they like to can identify with, what they find mm-hmm. interesting, what they find boring. Some bits of space is boring, facts and figures, yeah. Just numbers. But to actually get imagery in there and make it come to life for them. Um, so that's what I try and do in my talks in my schools and hopefully that works in the book as well
0: yeah no it's such a huge topic um, but I think someone said that if you can't explain something in a way that a three-year-old would explain then it would understand then you don't understand it well enough yourself so I think there is a real art to distilling all your knowledge into a very short fact that a child would digest that means you really really know your stuff
1: yeah, and you also get asked lots of questions as well, so you tend to learn what they want to know rather than what you think you should be telling them. Um, yeah. It's very back to back and forwards there. Because I do, I pass around meteorites and space rocks and dinosaur poo in my talks, so you've got to make it visual, make it also quite tactile as well. So a book is a tactile thing. It's pages to turn, pictures to see. So I've tried to make one of my talks, really, in, in a book form, but with a very cool stargazing, starstruck cat in there as well.
0: Yeah, so what is the, I'm intrigued now, what is the most common thing you get asked about by children when you do your talks?
1: It's the classic, how do you go to a toilet in space? Yeah,
0: West comes down to... Cute teacher to that. going,
1: oh my God. Mm-hmm. So that's a popular one. Also things like, what does the Earth look like from space, which is great because I can show photographs of that. Yeah. Um, did we go to the moon? My dad said we didn't. That's always a fun one to answer. Yes, yeah, that's getting worse and worse, to be honest. We'll, we will tackle that one. So um, and what else? Isn't it? Can I go into space? Because that's not all the time. Mm-hmm. So yes, boys or girls, it makes no difference at all. When I was at junior school, it was literally just, just boys. And now anybody, any age, any sex, can learn going to space in the future maybe as a job. So that's a big shift, actually.
0: Yeah, no, it is amazing, isn't it? And good that children want to aspire to do that as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, see... The science fiction's everywhere now. I love Star Trek and Star Wars, all of these different things. I, I love, I'll watch Button Moon because there's a rocket in it. I really don't care. I
0: love um,
1: that. <laughs> that was fake. Can so I can't actually say that? Um, oh. But the thing is, science fiction is great, but kids know it's science fiction. They don't think it's real. Adults get confused. Adults get mad about a doctor being a woman and they get mm-hmm. mad about Star Trek Enterprise changing. Kids don't care. It's just yeah. cool, cool aliens. So if you can feed that into your talks and say, well, it's looks- Science fiction's cool, but the real planets are even more amazing. They've got these massive ring systems. And the night sky, too. People don't see the night sky because of light pollution. Many yeah. kids, by the book, will not see the Milky Way. Won't have a clue what it is. No. So I am try to get to look up and see what they can see. And then if you get to a dark sky, it'll make a lot more sense to them. But the night sky is beautiful, and we're, we're being robbed of that now, which is a shame. Yeah, no, I agree. It's,
0: it's amazing the difference. Um, I live in um, a town, but my in-laws live in the middle of the countryside. And it is amazing the difference you can see up in the sky, you know, in the two different locations. The light pollution really is a lot worse than we think, isn't it?
1: Well, that's why we go to Kielder, to the Kielder Star Camp, try and see where, where the book was born at Kielder Star Camp. Um, I live in Kendal, which is beautiful. And it's not badly light pollution. There is some light pollution. When you go to Kielder on a clear night, you cannot see your hand in front of your face.
0: Sorry for the slight interruption there, folks. I think at this point the Starship Enterprise had intercepted our signal and was trying to tap in to our conversation. I hope you enjoy the second half as much as the first. So um, you've mentioned the star camps that you go on and the school talks that you give. I was just wondering what sparked your initial interest in space?
1: Well, I was at junior school just quite early, like five-ish, more than five, and the Apollo moon landings were on. And we're all in the big school hall, and the big school telegraph gets wheeled out on its wheels, like <laughs> massive, <laughs> massive red color TV in a cabinet. Watch this, it's important. And I watched it, and I just my world changed. That sounds very cliched, but I just pulled into the television. And from that day, for me, it was space. And other people, there, it was about sport or cars or football. For me, it was always space. And from that, one afternoon watching little white figures on this huge television bouncing around. That was me hooked and, and in love with, with space really.
0: Yeah. No. And what, what do you think the next big space event will be that will help hook in this current generation of children? Is there anything on, that, on the horizon that you can think of that might do there it? There are
1: plans to go back to the moon, but I think there's lots of being there done math about the moon, to be honest. Hmm. Um, Anniversary this year, 50 years since Apollo 11, and for kids in schools now, that's as far along as the Egyptians or the Vikings or the Romans. It is ancient yeah. history, mm-hmm. uh, and as much as I like, of the Apollo missions and its pinnacle of achievement, we need to be now looking forwards. I think to the actual Mars missions, because the kids in schools today will be old enough to go to Mars when they grow up, yes. because they'll be actually the right age to go to Mars. You see, and the picture of the Mars rovers show Mars is a very familiar-looking place. And it's now in people's consciousness, actually, their day-to-day lives at Mars is a place we can go to. And I think the kids of today, and I know I know it's for kids of today, because I talk to them, they would like to go to Mars because they see these wonderful pictures of the red rocks and the pink sky.
0: There might yeah. be life
1: on Mars. If there's not, they can take life there with them and grow mm-hmm. life on Mars. So it does fascinate kids. So I think yeah. that's an extra big thing. All oh, right, interesting. Thank you. Um, so
0: just to draw us back to um, a cat's guide, um, one of the other outstanding features of this book are the um, stunning illustrations by Brandon. Brendan. And I was just um, wondering whether you had much communication with him um, during the process of illustrating this book or whether you gave him the, the words, as it were, and then he interpreted those and put the pictures, the diagrams as he saw.
1: Well, I sent down reference material, star maps and things and illustration ideas but it's all Brenda's work. I mean, they are absolutely astonishing, aren't they? Yes. It's such a beautiful book to look through. When I got the first proofs, I almost wanted to cry about this is just ridiculously beautiful because you see many, many books as an astronomer because you go looking through books in libraries and all sorts to share with people. And I do think it's actually quite stunning to use your word again. It is. Um, it's just lush and beautiful and the, the paper's lovely. You turn a page it's just it's another like, oh, look at that moment. And that's, what I've been told by people who looked at the book themselves in bookshops and things and at mm. conferences, people love the book. People have been stroking the cover <laughs> like it's a real cat, uh, which is lovely. But Brendan's illustrations are fine. We, we did send down material to use as reference material and a few yeah. emails, but it's much done by Brendan and through the publisher. So it's a nice surprise, actually, when you see it coming through your, your email and you think, oh, what does it look like? But the yeah. first cover mode was just, I actually saw this sitting on a, a windy, windswept bench in a campsite, um, sheltering from the rain, looking at my mobile phone screen with my hands shaking in the cold. Yeah. And suddenly I didn't feel cold anymore. I thought, wow. I just sat looking at it with the rain dripping off my hood and <laughs> looking at this picture on my telephone screen. And I thought, look at that. Just look at that. And there's the cat and the stars glittering. And it's just absolutely beautiful. And I love it myself. Yeah, I would buy it if I had written it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful looking book.
0: <laughs> it really is. It's like it's one that I'll be keeping. It is it is beautiful, as well as full of information. It's something you can just flick through and enjoy. Just just looking at and dipping in and out of, can't you?
1: And that's the joy of books, isn't it? You can use it as a reference, or you can just enjoy the pictures. I've, yeah. I've had people buying it for children who are like three or four years old because it's got a cat in it. It's good stuff. But it's just yeah. a looking book, and you don't need to know about white dwarfs or red shifts or constellations or you just look there's a cat with stars in the sky it's a cat wearing a scarf <laughs> on a wind looking at stars and you don't yeah. need anything more there's lots more in there yes but there's a purely visual experience yeah it, it's just beautiful I'm, I'm so humble really to be part of that book it's a team effort really and brendan's work and other people at lk were so supportive and worked so hard behind the scenes to get the book off the ground and um, it was something quite special, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I think it definitely paid off. So leading Very on my name. <laughs> so, so leading on from that, are there any um, further book plans in the future? Or do you have any glimmers of ideas coming to you from a galaxy far, far away?
1: <laughs> well, I propose a sequel to The Cat's Guide to the Night Sky, mm-hmm. which is the Cat's Guide to the Solar System. Um right. If it'll take, that i not. I don't know, but if it's on someone's desk somewhere at LK, I think looked at. So fingers tossed, but we'll get a, a nod of approval. Yeah. Uh, it's the nice, next obvious step, really. Imagine, imagine a cat on the moon knocking over Apollo flags just for mischief, or yes. Mars leaving paw prints on the back of Mars rovers just because they can. I think that'd be a wonderful book. Yes,
0: yeah, so I'm uh, looking for mice on the moon because they think the moon is made of cheese. That kind cat, of
1: thing. I'd, I'd love to read about it, yeah. Um, but i have also just finished my first novel, which is surprise, surprise about a cat, first cat to go to Mars. So I'm editing that now, so we'll be sending that off in the near future.
0: Wow, and what kind of, sorry, what age range is that for? Is it like a younger children or a kind of middle grade? younger children, yeah, younger children. Oh, brilliant, I have to keep my fingers crossed and my eyes open then.
1: First cat to go to Mars.
0: First cat to go to Mars, wow, that does sound cool. (laughs) Brilliant, wow. I, you know, I think I have come to the end of all my questions, so okay. I'm going to say another big thank you for giving up your evening to talk to us on, on my podcast.
1: Well, thank you for asking we I've enjoyed it.
0: No, it's been great, you've been my first non fiction interviewee. So,
1: and thank you for loving the book so much, that means a lot because you, you do all this work in your little room or whatever, I and mean, then sit on the shelf. But here, people actually saying they like it like real people, like yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, not just faceless people just, it's just wonderful so thank you i appreciate that
0: no and thank you like i said um so enjoy the rest of your evening and i'm going to say goodbye
1: thank you very much goodbye
0: okay bye well if Stuart's enthusiasm has whet your appetite for some more space themed goodies i have the books for you There are literally hundreds and thousands of children's books about space, but here are some of my favourites. So first I want to share with you one of my other favourite non-fiction space series. It's the Professor Astrocat books, which are published by Flying Eye Books and written by Ben Newman and Dr Dominic Walliman. There are several books in this fantastic series, all with the most stunning retro illustrations that remind me a little bit of the 1960s, back when the space race was on. There are two titles aimed at readers seven plus. The first is Professor AstroCat, Frontiers of Space, which takes you on a journey through the stars, galaxies, our planet, our universe, and also looks at scientific concepts such as gravity, um, extraterrestrial life and many others beautifully explained really clear to understand an absolute joy to read also in the seven plus category there is professor Astrocat's atomic adventure which focuses on the incredible world of physics and you will learn about energy power and of course the mighty atom all in a highly illustrated and accessible manner Now the next two titles are aimed at younger readers, I would say three plus. You've got Professor AstroCat's Solar System, which takes you on an adventure around our solar system, visiting Mars and Venus. And there's also Professor AstroCat's Space Rockets, which as the title would suggest, is all about rockets, astronauts, satellites, and the great space station. Brilliant series loved by children loved by adults absolutely stunning next i would like to recommend a brilliant poetry book called zim zam zoom which is by james carter and illustrated by nicola colton published by otter barry books Um, this is a fantastic collection of poems that are a delight to read aloud full of onomatopoeia and rhythm and rhyme beautiful illustrations so you can enjoy reading them to yourself just as much as to an audience and I would say it could be used anywhere in a primary school from the foundation stage upwards. So now we're blasting off into some fiction recommendations. Um, The first one I'm going to make is by one of my favourite illustrators, the hilarious Minnie Gray. All her books are a delight illustrations are beautiful and they are packed full of really funny details that adults enjoy as much as children. But the title I want to share with you today is called Toys in Space and is published by Red Fox and it's a story about what happens to your toys when you leave them outside at night. Well I'll tell you what happens. They get beamed up into space of course and in this lovely story they explore the cosmos and help out some lonely sad little aliens. My next recommendation is for slightly older readers, maybe six plus, and it would be a brilliant foray into chapter books for those children who are after a slightly wordier read. It's by one of my favourite writing duos, Philip Reeve and Sarah McIntyre. Sarah McIntyre being known for her stunning illustrations and Philip Reeve being known for writing Um, chapter books for older readers such as the brilliant mortal engine series as well as these slightly younger collaborations with sarah which are published by oxford university press now the title i want to share today is called cakes in Space, and it's about astra who is wide awake while the rest of her family are snoring in their space pods so she sets off to explore with her friend pillbeam But the ship is under attack. It's about to be invaded by a gang of poglites who are busy searching for spoons. But when they start ransacking the canteen, they uncover something rather sinister lurking. What will happen? Um, I would also check out any of um, Philip and Sarah's collaborations written for Oxford University Press because they are Hilarious. Fantastic. I can't recommend them enough. The final title I want to share is definitely for your older primary school readers. I would say nine plus. And it's written by the genius who is SF Said, who you might know for having written Varjek Poor. But I want to share with you today his newest title called Phoenix, which is published by Corgi Children's. Now, it's about a boy called Lucky who had thought that he was just a normal human boy, until one night he dreams that the stars are singing to him and an uncontrollable power starts to well up within him. So now he is running through space looking for answers in a galaxy at war where humans and aliens are deadly foes. An absolutely cracking sci-fi fantasy adventure. Can't recommend it highly enough for your upper Key Stage 2 readers. If you would like to get in touch to ask for any recommendations of what to read next or books around a certain theme or topic, do please get in touch. If you use the Anchor app yourself, you can leave me a voice message directly. Otherwise, you can find me on my blog, www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com. Or you can find me on Twitter or Instagram as at booksuperhero2. Or you could join my Library Girl and Book Boy Facebook group. It is up to you. Um, also, if you are a fan of funny books, make sure you search Twitter for the hashtag... Hashtag funny book chat, where I talk to lots of authors and illustrators of hilarious books, which are always a huge hit with children. Right, well that should be enough recommendations to keep you going, if at any point you do get beamed up into space entertained by aliens for an undetermined amount of time i hope you enjoy them um, if you have enjoyed the recommendations and today's episode make sure that you download and subscribe so that you don't miss out on upcoming episodes um, next time i'll be talking to one of my illustrative heroes stephen linton about his involvement with world book day where he has collaborated on one of the special World Book Day £1 titles with um, Peter Bentley, and their book is called Cruella and Cadpig. I might also try and sneak in a few questions about his Nothing to See Here Hotel series with Stephen Butler and possibly quiz him about the latest Shifty McGifty and Slippery Sam title, which he works on with the wonderful Tracy Caldwell. See you next week. Bye-bye.